0: Welcome to another It's Always Personal, an episode of It's Always Personal. I'm the host of the show, Would I got a very special guest, so I'm going to try to get right into the, uh, the, the interv- interview segments with um, one half of hip-hop group, revolutionary hip-hop group. Dead Prez. Uh, today's guest is Stick or Stick Man. He has a new project coming out um, February 28th. It's called A Beautiful Run. You can go to www.abeautifulrun.com. Tons of information on there about it. He is now, um, in 2011, he put out an album called uh, The Workout creating the genre um, Fit Hop, F-I-T, Hop, instead of Hip Hop. And um, and then in 2020, February of 2020, he came out with The Workout 2. Uh, this was after years earlier, when he was in Dead Prez on Loud Records. They dropped a song called It's Bigger Than Hip Hop. And um Mind Sex was on there. They had a couple other projects. Revolution, Revolutionary But Gangster was another album that they did as a duo. Uh, so feel free to check all of that, all of that out. We get into some of that in the first part of the interview. Had to go back. Uh, but check all that out. One thing that I stumbled onto very early in the podcast in the interview is that. Uh, With him being, with revolutionary being synonymous with his brand, I asked about Judas and the Black Messiah. And didn't realize that he'd actually worked alongside Fred Hampton Jr. We talk about that. Um, So I got his thoughts on how um, Judas and the Black Messiah, just his thoughts on the movie. And how they portrayed uh you know fred hampton and uh just the story in general and you know i kind of stepped on <laughs> stepped on a landmine i did like I, I was expecting something else and he was like nah i know uh sister akua Najiri, who is deborah in the movie and uh, i was like oh so that's why i tried to keep this episode short but again, I want to reiterate this. You do not have to listen to the entire episode in one sitting. I try to break it up into segments so that you can uh, maybe listen to part of it. Get on your treadmill, listen to another part of it. Traveling some, going to the grocery store, maybe listen to another part of it. So that's the intention of, of a, a podcast. You, you you don't have to eat the whole steak in one sitting. You can chop. You can You can cut it up into baby pieces, digest it at, you know, when you want to, and then put the rest away for later. But a pretty dope interview, man. That's kind of the types of guests, the types of stories we talked about, uh, his time on loud records, which, which was one of the, the, uh, it's kind of an underdog record label in the nineties that grabbed up some pretty important talent some um some all-time artists wu-tang clan members of the wu-tang clan the ones that didn't go to def jam um the licks the alcoholics from our west with king t mob deep And then these guys were over there as well. He talks about, I talked about that kind of lineup and where, uh, they fell in with those types of guys, seeing as how they didn't necessarily have the same commercial success as some of those other names. And he alluded to, you know, why things may have played out the way that they played out for everybody. And then we get into. I would do yourself a favor, man. If you want, just if you got some time, if you if you, if you have some patience, check out his projects from 2011, the Workout, and then uh, Workout Two, which came in February 2011. I mean 2020. That's when uh, Stickman and I started uh, getting in touch with one another. I was trying to line up a, a interview back then and my my old equipment, my old setup started failing me and I was like I can't waste this brother's time or risk waste, wasting this man's time and not be able to come out with a use, you know, a usable uh, you know, interview. And then uh last week when my guest fell through I was like, I, I I kept his, his phone number. He kind of vetted me back then. He was like, send me some of your links and let me look at your material. Let me, let me look at your content and see if I want to rock with you or not. So I sent that out back then. And, you know, we were, we were set up to do something and then, um, we just couldn't lock in the time. And then some other stuff came up and I actually forgot. That's how COVID had me messed up. I didn't even, I, I thought, uh, the workout too came out at the end of 2020. I mean at the end of 2019. And um, but it was it was February. So that was only so three weeks later was when the world changed. <laughs> and I guess I kind of forgot about it. But pretty meaningful and important uh projects for various reasons, which like I said, kind of leads or culminates in what comes out on February twenty-eighth. With him making this uh this project a beautiful run that's inspired by Muhammad Ali. Check him out on um Instagram, a very interesting, a very deep and substantive uh follow at stick s t-i-c. Always has some 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 uh uplifting, some uh some fit his his uh RBG, reaching bigger goals, fit club. That's been his brand for the last 10 years. It's partial uh, part record label and part uh, fitness company or brand. And we talked through all of that really quickly before I get into that interview, I did want to come back and touch on one thing a little bit more in depth with um, Judas and the, and the black Messiah. I'm fascinated by the movie, man I hope a lot of people check it out. I was disappointed by some of the reviews that I saw on um on YouTube. I really was I guess more more so than me being disappointed in some of the reviews. I'm a little disappointed in the numbers that I see for some people who didn't know what the hell they were talking about or had really simple. Complaints. Daniel Kaluuya shouldn't be playing Fred Hampton. It's this new thing out there called a foundational Black American, and then there's ADOS. I think it's what African descendant of slavery or a descendant of slavery, something ADOS. I tell you, man, this this. This this shit is complicated, man. You don't know what the fuck you should be going with at this point. But one thing that that really stood out to me, really resonated with me, and I, I touched on this last week. With I don't, I kind of don't understand either. I don't understand feminism somewhat, or I don't understand. I don't really see what some black men's Issue is with black women. I'm. I don't necessarily agree if that's feminism. Maybe that's my thing. But one reason why I know I have to reach out and under and 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 take a second and understand black women when they're speaking and when they they put out content, when they're creating art, when they're dropping music, when they make and direct write um, movies, and all of these different things. One reason why I make a decision to tap in because I listen to people. But in the movie, um, when Fred had, this is a, this is, this is a very powerful scene, very stirring scene. When he comes back out of jail and they have the welcome home chairman, Fred speech, and he gets into his, I'm a, I am a revolutionary him up there at that podium is a powerful scene for Daniel Kaluuya. I wish I could have seen them shoot that. And And it's no different from uh, Denzel Washington and some of the speeches that he delivered in X back in the day. But the physical acting that, uh, that Kahlua does here, if you look down at his feet when he's charged up and doing his thing, he was doing some different stuff right there. And you have to perform that in front of a, a building full of people. But while he's going through all of that and basically he's really charged up as he's he's been uh incarcerated. And he comes home wanting to he's you know he's he's charged up. They've they've up they've raised the stakes for him. And he comes out to reiterate that I am for the people like I say I am and I'm willing to lay down my life for what I believe in, for the people and as he says that a number of times, Dominique, Dominique Fishback as Deborah Johnson, she starts to cry. And at the same time though, she keeps pumping her fist and, you know, doing the power salute or whatever they call it. And she still you know, she still, she's at, she's simultaneously responding to him as the mother of his child, yet to be born child. She was, she was several months pregnant. His lover, potentially, you know, his wife to be. And then she's also still a part. She's still a sister in arms. As Fred said earlier in the movie. And she starts crying and she, he's realizing he's coming into his own as the leader that he is and what he's getting ready to face later on that year. When they try to send him back to Menard, and she um she understands you know what she signed up for completely and that leads to the scene where she you know Fred is thumbing through her uh her poetry book and they they have this discussion on um they have this honest discussion with one another about what's what lies ahead and he doubles down that hey, what I said up there is what I mean. You know that. You knew what you were getting into. That's just some beautiful. This brother asked me, what did you see beautiful in the movie? I'm like, do you really listen to music? Or do, do you skim, do you just skim through it? Um, But what this, so uh, this right here is a perfect um depiction of We're in this shit together. We've been in this shit together the the entire way. So I'm really, I'm going to be honest, man. I'm kind of fucked up nowadays the way that I see that relationship between a lot of black men and black women. Right, wrong, or indifferent. It's, it's, It's trash individuals on both sides. Trash individuals on both sides. But what I get to though, um, this is why I, review, I believe I did a review of Rhapsody's Eve album. Some brothers didn't even want to hear it, didn't even want to touch it. It was just written off as as feminine femininity and feminism because all of the titles of the songs were of black women. But she had this joint on there. This was twenty nine. Uh, I want to say this was twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Well, she had this joint on there called Merrily. and it was to Edgar, Megger, damn Megger, Megger Ever's wife. That was her name, Merrily. And um, great poem, great spoken word piece at the end of the song, but it was a dope song. And here it is, Megger Edgar's wife. You know, she had to carry on when he was killed out trying to advocate against the abolishment of Jim Crow laws. He was assassinated. I think she also says something about Coretta Scott King in that one. These women had, we just saw one night in Miami. Um, All the babies that Malcolm X had. If you watched uh, the, 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 uh, the Godfather of Harlem with Forrest, uh, Forrest Whitaker. All the babies that Coretta Scott King was left to raise. All the babies that Betty Shabazz was left to raise. Deborah Johnson walking out of that bedroom, eight months pregnant. And I don't know if they did that, if she really did that when they put them, when they shot him and killed him in his bed. And she didn't flinch, she didn't cry and maybe that was to try to throw off the fact that this was his child and not wanting to be killed, you know, her and the baby being killed at that moment. I don't, you know, I don't, that's, you know, that's, that could be for the movies. Another song that, uh I thought was a really dope song. And it's like, you can't, this is, this is the, what life gets to be as a black man. Sometimes you can't even talk to other brothers about dope shit. Cause you don't know what kind of shit they're on. But in Afeni, Tupac's mom, like, and my thing is if Rhapsody wasn't rapping about and spitting about these women and bringing this shit up, who was going to do it? What man was going to spend a song speaking about these, individuals and bringing up broaching this uh this subject um but here's rhapsody on afini which had a tupac sample in it but she said um my brothers my brothers i love you i hate to know some of you treat us like glover mr mr in uh the color purple black card revoke maybe you could use discover define yourself do you feel the same way about your mother do you overlook our beauty by loving on all the others, hope you teach your daughters all to stay away from suckers like yourself. If you don't love yourself, I'm so southern. I was taught to feed the soul with or without hot ovens. Here's a plate. Know your hate come from a black man's struggle. We all in the same shape, so I know I fit your puzzle. Wordplay right there. We all in the same. Oh, either way, we got your back. We only pray you'll be our muscle. She weaving this shit together nicely, right here. Strength in the times we all overcome with trouble. Every day we pulling doubles for ourselves and home, working nine to fives. Uh, my mom and daddy taught me early on protect your own. We never stopped loving you, so turn your love back on. And I pray you feel the same way as that Tupac song. We ain't your holes or your bitches, trophies or meant for pimping. Recognize a gift from God outweighs a birthday or a Christmas to protect our lives. You're going to take it to the limit. Rib of my rib. Do you still feel us in you? I don't know what the fuck. Uh, feminist feminism is. I thought she was saying some real shit right there. Sometimes we only respect real shit when it's talking about shooting, selling dope, and getting some sloppy top, you know that's that's real shit for a lot of a lot of a lot of men. So, um, I was just tying all that together, man. That was some, but pa- those were powerful scenes in that movie. Um, salute to um, Akua Najiri who Stickman brings her name up in the mo- in the interview. Um. So that's just my thoughts for this week. So on the other side of this break, you know, get into Stickman and his upcoming project, February 28th, available online, a beautiful run. All right, I want to welcome to the show very, very, uh, very special guest. Uh, You know, I always got to take a moment to get my show names correct since I do a few of them. But this uh, is—it's always personal. My name is Wood, and right now I want to welcome to the show Stickman.
1: All right, what to do? Salute! 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 That's
0: Sal- a Warriors welcome. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> salute! Salute, man. Good to uh, good to have you on here, and uh, great to link up with you, um, and actually to catch you at a great time when you had a project uh, ready to, uh, to 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 bring it out to the world. So uh, I did kind of slight you a little bit, man. I wanted to introduce Stickman as a running coach, life coach, archery coach, entrepreneur, recording artist uh revolutionary and and a couple other titles but that was everything i meant to throw in there
1: <laughs> right on yeah so
0: i talk quite a bit of uh boxing and, and and i write about boxing online and i just wanted to ask were you aware that uh you as a part of um, dead prez you guys pop up in Probably three out of every five boxing shows that are televised. Are you aware of that?
1: Man, it's a blessing, <laughs> man. <clears throat> because I'm so inspired, at, uh, and I don't catch all the all the matches and, and whatnot. Different different people will send me, you know, screenshots and different clips. But um, I am I am tremendously. I've been inspired since a kid by you know just the sweet science and so to have um, you know fighters resonate with our music you know is an extra honor you know I appreciate yeah
0: whether it's Showtime whether it's Top Rank on ESPN um, and then Showtime is either well actually the PBC is either on Showtime or Fox Sports and then even on the Zone, which is a streaming app that has quite a bit of fights from, uh, from the UK uh, I- I'm telling you three out of five shows is bigger than hip hop comes into the background (laughs) and i get and i get to rock out for a few moments
1: all right all right yeah well you know i've been working on a whole whole genre of music you know that i think fighters resonate with you know runners you know um even yogis you know any kind of movement you know i I created this genre of music called fit hop and uh it's inspired by a lot of the stuff if you're familiar with early Dead press be healthy and way of life or 50 in the clip you know those kinds of songs i just wanted to as i grew into my lifestyle um i wanted to do music that reflected all these different practices that i've been exposed to so um i put out uh in 2011 i put out the first fit hop album uh merging hip hop and healthy living it's called The Workout and it uh, debuted number one on all the digital uh, charts in its category and then just last year 2020 right before the pandemic I dropped Workout 2 and um, and it also debuted number one on iTunes, uh, Amazon Google Play, all that and um, yeah and it's, it's, it's definitely music for boxers and People that
0: uh, Put in that work Every day You know Right What's the last uh, I don't want to put you on the spot But what is the last Combat sport I'll, I'll keep it Kind of Neutral there Between The martial arts stuff As well as boxing But what was the last uh, Combat sport uh, Event that you watched Or, or major Or major headline That you're aware of
1: Okay I was gonna I thought you were gonna ask me The last I participated in But okay You said what? Um I think the last thing I saw was with my family. We watched uh, the exhibition, Tyson's exhibition. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we all, whenever there's like a a fight, that kind of transcends deep, deep fan boxing. You know what I mean? But it, is, you know, it's, it's somebody popular enough that wifey and you know what I mean. <laughs> it, 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 they they want to check it out. You know we always you know make food and the kids you know what i mean it's a it's a tradition gotcha yeah.
0: fight parties uh i saw on your kind of on your bio something about uh key is it key is it pronounced kijong
1: kijong what's
0: that i thought it said something about you being a practitioner of q-i-j-o-n-g
1: oh gotcha you. so you're talking qigong qigong um yep. Mm-hmm. yeah this, yeah yeah i am a practitioner of qigong uh not a teacher but a student and um qigong is, for people that is not familiar is to to not make it all mystical is is really breathing postures and uh <clears throat> it's a certain type of breathing that is like an internal energizer okay it, and it helps you um regulate stress it helps uh, things heal a little quicker help your body stay in good circulation and things like that so that's um I studied a particular form of Qigong called Ra Qigong that was taught by Ra'un Nefa Amin um but I several other uh martial arts combat arts I've experienced man like over 10 years from Wushu Kwan Kung Fu to uh after that, I studied, uh, that was a few years, and then I studied Ila Ijala, which is a West African martial art, um, and then I was able to get into my core art, which is Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee's uh, practice, and from there, I went to, uh, I moved to Atlanta, and I was, started studying Egbe Ogun, which is a, another West African martial art. Uh, and then my son got old enough and wanted to box, so we went to Atlanta Art of Boxing and banged that out for some years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we just been, you know, constantly just being, you know, white belt students at the feet of instructors and, you know, just trying to stay sharp and grow and learn, you know?
0: That's dope. So you threw it out there. I mean, I i I didn't see that you were competing in anything, but what's that been about with you uh, actually participating in? Are these, uh, what kind of events are these, I guess?
1: Right. So, so the arts that I've chosen, um, with the exception of Wu Shikwan, my first art, they're not really a heavy emphasis, like on tournaments and stuff like that. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Like, um, Wushu they they had some of that, but I was such a beginner at at that time that I was just learning basic discipline, and you know, I, I broke a board, and you know, <laughs> the, the very early stages, you know. Um, then uh, the West African art, you know, they very rare, very few instructors, and so it's more, you know, all your combat is in class, you know, and and you know, and, and as we do our different. Uh, the equivalent of what a belt is because we don't have the, the standard like white belt to black belt type thing. Uh, so, uh, and same with Jeet Kune Do, it's like uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced. You know what I mean? So, it's real, real open in terms of how the ranks go. It's not really about the belts or tournaments, but just your proficiency um, in demonstrating what you can do, you know, with your uh, teammates and you know your your classmates
0: wasn't that something that that bruce lee kind of talked about not having all of those the belts and stuff like it was just your the experience and and gaining more knowledge in it or time in it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah he, he was definitely somebody who spoke about uh the the limitations of belt systems so it's not that it's not uh relevant or functional you know uh, so you can have order and a kind of senior chain in the class. <clears throat> but when it comes to the streets, and when it comes to, you know, the person that's not just cooperating with you for you to work on your technique, you know, they don't really, it don't matter what your belt say. It's, you know, what your, what your skills can do and how you can adapt to, uh, you know, those challenging circumstances. So a lot of my teachers happen to be have that same mentality and so you know i got 10 years in and i, I never really uh i got a couple belts in in you know woosh but it was never an emphasis on you know what is my rank it was more like are you sharp today <laughs>
0: i like that i like that um one thing that I definitely uh, is kind of synonymous with you is revolutionary, you know, especially when you guys had the revolutionary but gangster mantra out there, and that was title of an album or, or and whatnot. But uh, this right. weekend, uh, I got very familiar with a, a revolutionary who I, I'd known of for a long time, but I actually watched this movie this past weekend that was, that just came out uh, in the Judas and the Black Messiah. Have you have you had a chance yeah, yeah. to check that out by chance?
1: For sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: What what was your takeaway from it?
1: Well, man, we you know, it was a lot. It was a lot of emotions. One because Fred Hampton Jr., you know, is a is a comrade of ours who we met him by working on the case to free him. Okay. Um, you know, years years ago we were, before we was doing any rap, we were working with excuse me revolutionary organizations and one of those was the yuhuru movement and one of our top campaigns was free fred you know free fred jr you know he got caught up in chicago because uh, of who he was the son of fred senior and uh the political work he was doing to organize the youth street tribes into a, a more peaceful productive kind of situation and he got targeted and got framed and we were uh, me and M were two members on a on a nationwide uh, movement to raise awareness, raise funds, and help bring him home. So we had a we have a long history with Mama Akua, Fred's mom, Fred Fred Senior's widow, and just in the home eating fish together. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. So, sort of really. You know, I say all that to say, to, to watch this is a joy to see that family story get told on such a scale, right? Yes, sir. And um, and just knowing that struggle uh, directly. And I also feel if, if, if the family is, since they were on the board, you know, Fred and Mama Kua were, were uh, executive producers. And my other homie Rosa Clemente, uh, who was a Puerto Rican black revolutionary sister, um, who ran for president with a uh, vice president with Cynthia Kenney they were all on that board. Okay. So I knew um, it was in good hands. Even people on the soundtrack, you know, is my close friend. So you know, I felt like it was in good hands. And if the family approved of it, then ultimately I'm happy if they happy. But personally. I felt like the depth of Fred, in terms of beyond the violence and the shootouts, could have been explored more. Um, and um, you know, I think Shaka King and Ryan Coogler are a great talents, and I think they had the best intentions. But I just think if you ain't from it, you know, you gonna people attract to the sensationalized shootout type of shit instead of like. How Fred, you know, he used to work with the NAACP before he even got with the Panthers. Right, right. He was I read on, that. Yeah, you know what I mean? He was, And he was just a, a leader. He tried to talk people out of drama. He tried to, you know what I mean? He tried to uh, create ways where people don't get uh, anarchist tendencies, just running out, doing shit, just to be pulling out and, and starting stuff with police because he said the community wasn't ready to You know, what I mean, they weren't ready to handle that with the way to, you know, the what. Well, and I think they tried to make that point at different points in the movie. So I'm not critiquing it at all. But just honestly, I feel like Fred was so much more level-headed and more, much more tactical than he may have came off in that film. Um, but when a, when a man like him is murdered by the, the state and hasn't get, gotten no justice after all these years how can a film
0: do him justice you know dang that's yeah i did a review on it actually on the last episode of this uh, of this podcast i talked through a couple of things and like you said uh, i was scouring youtube yesterday to see some how different channels were handling their their reviews and uh to be honest man i was a little ticked off by uh some of the negative comments and some of the more uh mm. You know the fact that uh Daniel Kaluuya is uh is from is, is British you know versus being you know an American black and whatnot and uh you know not to belabor it all but I just thought um like you said I tapped into what I was able to extrapolate some things just based on what they the the, the human side of of Fred that they did capture and show right and the the teaching I loved how he called uh, my man out on the carpet with the, uh, you know, don't take liberties with the ladies, uh, you know, oh, these are exactly. your, your sisters in arms. I thought that was, that's right, mm-hmm. that was in my wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, if I watch it a couple more times, maybe some of my general impression, I would be like, oh, okay, they did hit that, <laughs> they did hit this. You know what I'm saying? So I say that with all respect, and I and I think. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is of uh, A-list, 1,000%. He gave that that, that role life. Um, and for him to be from Britain, you know, my my opinion, that, that only means he's that much of a great actor. He captured an accent, and, you know, this, a lot of black British um, actors are killing it right now. And uh, I'm proud of that. You know, I think he did a great job.
0: Yeah, I think that's just another area unfortunately for us as a community to be divided over um, But and, and you know, some people he took a job away from a black uh, you know, an American black actor or he just couldn't <laughs> tap into this I'm like, man, right. y'all really simplify people who are <laughs> professionals at what they do
1: This is, The chessboard is global, man, all, all that American this and that and all that, like I'm, I'm not in that camp I don't care where you live at, man. If you, you black and you brown and and you put in the work to do whatever it is that you ought to do, we all in the running. You know, let the best man get that. Yeah, you know I, th- I, mean?
0: I threw it out there on my channel yesterday. Actually, it's a series by Steve McQueen who directed uh, 12 Years a Slave. He actually has a series called Small Acts on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. Video right okay. now. And, uh yep. anybody can just go check out the first <coughs> the first episode is called Mangrove and it was about mm-hmm. some a West Indian community that was being harassed and, and brutalized by the local uh the, the police constables in 1971 and went to uh it, it became a trial called the Mangrove 9 I believe so anybody that thinks mm-hmm. that they weren't discriminated across the the, the, uh, <laughs> the Atlantic Jeez. it's not total Jeez. peace for them either.
1: Jeez, yes, uh, that's an excellent um, series too, man. I enjoyed it, yeah. especially that
0: episode. Yeah, I'm not complete. I, I just checked out that one and um, the uh, the lovers and rockers or whatever. Yeah, uh, they were. They, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of it this weekend. Uh, quickly bef- mm-hmm. before jumping into the workout and the workout too, real quick, and getting into your upcoming project. Uh, just as a hip hop fan long time hip hop fan um, just kind of what was your experience with being on loud records which is one of my favorite uh, it's just kind of a unique situation I thought in hip hop with the names and the bands that they had or the artists that they had over yeah. there with the licks from out west you know the Clan, obviously Mob Deep and then you guys being in there and I could be leaving out another one or two but what was your you know your experience as as Dead Prez with,
1: with loud records Bro, it was it was beautiful and bittersweet, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> when we were we were in Florida, where I was born and raised, and, and me and M met and you know got our foot into the the movement and our revolutionary street cred and all that good stuff. Um, we were in Florida, and at the point where we decided, you know, we wanted maybe. Try to pursue this music professionally together, What the kind of music we was doing was like Wu-Tang, Mobb Deep at that, that time, right? Early okay. 90s, right? So, we was like, in Florida, bass music and booty shake was the, the, the type of popular thing. So, we was like, we're going to have to go up north to, to, you know, have an opportunity to maybe get a get a partner with a label or something, and we we said, well, if, if in a perfect world, it would be Loud Records because of Wu Tang and Marv Deep, and we felt like we fit that category of hip hop. So, with nothing but a dream and our our theory and our our music, we we moved to Brooklyn. You know what I mean? We endured. Like homelessness and all type of stuff to just to be in the city because we definitely weren't economically prepared for New York. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I could imagine
1: that. <laughs> right? So, but we, you know, we on the street. We know how to survive. I'll just say it like that. And and we made enough ends meet to not die. <laughs> and one, one lucky day, we ran into Lord Jamal Brand Nubian and Fast forwarding made us, you know, we got ourselves together enough to have meetings and stuff. And when we finally met with Loud Records, Steve Rifkin, the owner, and the whole A uh, and R team, was just like, "Yo, sign this right away. Let's go!" And so, the the very label that we thought might be our best chance was the label that we ended up signing to. So. You can imagine a young dude coming from North Florida in the sticks and then going all the way to Brooklyn, the home of, I mean, New York, the home of hip-hop, and being able to, you know, get signed to the, the number one label at that time with the biggest artist. Uh, that showed me that, you know, if you, if you want something, you can go get it. Right. right. However... Soon as you get in that door, you start learning that the music business is like the boxing business. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? It's, it's, you think you think your opponent is in the ring. <laughs> your opponent is the business around the ring, right? So we we you know we had a lot of battles um, with what we wanted to say and how we wanted to say it and not be censored. And and you know they would let other stuff that. We felt like shit. If you gonna let that ride, you know how you gonna police what we doing um, in terms of like negativity on black on black crime and, and or or you know calling sisters bitches and hoes and all kind of stuff. I you know you can imagine uh, they they had uh, other artists you know uh, on the back burner that they was developing to come right, and so we had a lot of battles around that. I think Three Six Mafia was one of those groups that was doing kind of like the opposite of where we was trying to go, right. and they were throwing money at that. But anyway, no disrespect to them. But anyway, uh, then then Loud had all these money challenges, and you know the, the Steve Rifkin and them they was not managing the company like a like a business, and they went bankrupt, okay. and so <clears throat> Columbia. Um, was a label that kinda, you know, uh comes and they say, Oh, this 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 plantation is on fire. We're gonna get the big bucks <laughs> and <laughs> absorb them on our plantation. And I guess we, we looked like some bucks at the time. So we we got, you know, put on Columbia Plantation uh through loud you know, through the contract we already had with them. And then which is a bigger, even a bigger uh you know, that's Sony. Right? Right. So, so we was on that plantation. We got dropped because they, they just they just absorbed us and then they was like, eh, throw this out, throw this out, throw this out. We got dropped. And then we was like, great, now we on 0 nothing," and we already in the game. Right. So we went around with our relationship. We did a record with Jay-Z. who was working with Nas. We was, you know what I mean? Doing our thing on tour, killing it. And when they start hearing the buzz of our next album which was RBG um number 6 most anticipated album in the country at the time they was like we made a mistake and do you believe these motherfuckers called us back the same (laughs) label that dropped us and gave us a half a million dollars to come back wow right but check this last piece we come back Jay-Z has did us a blessing gave us gave us his verse on Hell Yes so it allowed us to even negotiate even more bread on top of that and then um soon as the album came out they fired everybody at Columbia in the in the executive staff when the new people got hired they said who is Dead Prez and dropped us wow. so <laughs> we got dropped twice by the same label and paid twice by the same label <laughs> and and uh, and kept all that bread and invested in our own career. So, long story short,
0: <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, so one thing that I noticed, uh, maybe you'd be an excellent person to speak on it besides me. Uh, but one thing that I saw was back in the day, it seemed like a lot of it was a lot of white individuals, executives, and whatnot, who would gravitate towards groups like you. Uh, thinkers and thoughtful rappers such as AZ I saw a guy um, I can't even remember his name but it was on one of the documentaries that I I watched and then it was was another white guy that we saw from the Wu-Tang series that wanted to get that type of voice out there we fast forward to today and we see the types of groups that people gravitate to and want to push out like you said who they want to put money behind and throw money at um, what's kind of behind that change? It... Hmm.
1: Um, hmm. To make that's that big, to, to make that part. clearer,
0: I felt like back in the day, it was actually white individuals who heard these these great voices, these these great minds and thinkers, and wanted to put them on. But now today, <clears throat> that's it's a different voice that they're looking for.
1: Well, I would say that. What was interesting for us <clears throat> is that we got signed aloud, and you know we've been how we we are. You know it ain't we. It, it wasn't no secret what we stand for and how we own it, right? From jump. Right. So, but what was interesting is that, and one of the battles we had is that they try to put us on a skateboard, white college circle. <laughs> oh no. And, they, you know, we was noticing because, you know, like when you ain't, when you, you know, you coming from the bottom and, and now you got opportunity to perform, you know, I don't care where I'm rocking. Let's go. Right. right. Like, let's, let's. we getting out here. We putting in work. We, you know, you got to crawl for your ball. Right. So, but at a certain point, I started saying, yo, why are we always like at like, these kind of white cultural things, right? Right. And the and the shit we talking about is <laughs> for the hood, from the hood, you know, and and, and like other artists, you know, they're like, oh yeah, this it's, it's some party shit. If it's some, you know, like rah rah shit, just per se, then they like, yeah, that's hood. And I and I remember having this conversation with one of the product managers one day, like What's good with these? How you routing these tours and all that? And he was like, "Y'all too smart for the hood." Wow. And and I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "Do you do you know where we from?" You know what I mean? Like, I'm too smart from where I'm from, right? And it was this perception that these labels had that if unless you're talking about bullshit, basically partying bullshit, you know, you know, you're above. The intellectual, you know, bandwidth of the hood, and we dis- we disagree with that from the jump. But you know, they were you could see how they were routing all of our uh, engagements, and even who we were, who they was trying to get endorsements for us, and everything was like that. Um, it's like that the white boy hip hop uh, aesthetic, right? And so we, you know. That was something that I think was an issue uh, before what you see now, which is a total dumb down of the culture, and everything is invested in the in the most ignorant shit that you can do in sex, right? Even the art itself ain't even it don't even matter if you nice or nothing no more, right? right. It's just a certain a, a certain kit, you know, uh, you got ice on shoot niggas, fuck bitches and yada yada yada. You know, like <laughs> at the end of the day that's that's what's you know, really popular right now. Yes. And I think they always felt like that. But it's you know how we used to be like it had seeds in it and all that. Right. And and now and then it, and now it's like government laser <laughs> just you know, super cheek to the point where you don't know if you really smoking real weed or he, <laughs> what you doing so it's it, it kind of like that's how they did hip hop they they took the essence of they took run dmc gold chain off and left the art right wow. <laughs> and and now you know so we got all of the, the look of hip hop the style look of it but no none of the substance is left it's just the tac so wow.
0: that was i know. thought i saw uh maybe a year or two ago, I thought I saw a flyer, a flyer online or something that had uh, Wu-Tang Clan and like Rage Against the Machine on the same tour and whatnot. And I was like, mm, okay, I missed that, but that was a hell of a pairing, you know, but...
1: Yeah, we did that too. Like we, when, when Rage was at when Ray that, the, the height of their shit, we opened up for, on some of their dates because ideologically we had you know, a Similar <laughs> right. perspective, right? You know what I'm saying. Um, but at the same time, we opened up with Wu Tang, and because ideologically we had the same perspective, that was that's what was unique about us. We could comfortably be at the white colleges, right? And the, with the radicals and the liberals, we could comfortably be there um, doing what we do, and we could comfortably be in New York with the, the gods and the earth. You know what I mean? We could be with the nation of Islam in LA, in the, in the gangs, you know what I mean, in Chicago. Like, we we was everywhere, We and global. We were to Cuba, we went to Africa. You know what I'm saying? We went all over, because what we was talking about connects to people where they at. Right, I agree. And, and you know what I'm saying? So, but it's just the game ain't built like that, man. Like, we revolutionaries, the game is built for capitalist interest and and you know that's like make a product and sell it to an audience and you know what I mean not so much like really connect with people with your art not so, trying I mean, to you inform anybody yeah. yeah yeah you know you can make you the thing is though you can make money and do that definitely definitely but, you know but you got to really control your own business to, to be able to direct how you invest with your resources because that's the challenge when you own somebody else's label and they feel like you over the head of the audience you trying to serve they're going to send you to Europe instead of Africa <laughs> 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 that's what, you know what I'm saying that's why we got a quick 20 year uh, touring uh, a lot of, lot of it was in Europe a lot of it was in Germany you know what I'm saying we made our own effort with community groups like the Malcolm X grassroots movement took us to South Africa and Cuba you know what I'm saying and we had our own independent um, booking agent to get us in Chile in South America you know what I'm saying and, and just touch the brown folks man because you know they they was just like yo the white boys is going to love y'all y'all so rough <laughs> you know what I mean that's so, how- but I but but and let me just close with saying as far as that point it's not that I have any issue or problem with that part of our audience. The white boy that was raised on hip hop, that's a real person. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like like they would they, I, I understand, you know what I mean? Like everybody ain't ain't come up in the massive plantation vibe, you know what I mean? Like it's all kinds of people. So it it was never no issue that we would have because somebody white and they listening to our music or whatever. It was just, don't just target me to that audience and, and, you know, we don't get access to our community as well.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, That was one thing that I opened up my podcast about the uh, Judas and the Black Messiah was I feel like based on the climate today. I felt like the, the wrong audience like yeah all us black people were, were going to really rock with the film but I just wonder if white people today would go and check that movie out and then and be able to see for themselves that some of this stuff that blew up and boiled over in 2020 it was some real substance to this to that it wasn't just we playing the race card and, and BS and BS now it was decades of stuff and that okay. only happened 50 years ago it's, it's, it is some real substance to you know how they wanted to go out and, and kind of uh, and blur and, uh, yeah. the lines and whatnot with Black Lives Matter and the organization right. Black Lives Matter we ain't got time for that and, and, right. I, and I thought that movie did that but look let me take a quick pause and we're going to come back on the other side get into the workout and uh, the workout 2 and then uh, Stickman's upcoming project All right, back with uh, Stickman. We're gonna get into it, like you mentioned earlier. You kind of stole my thunder <laughs> a little bit. I had these dates down for the workout dropping in twenty eleven, April of twenty eleven, um, um, actually, and then followed up uh, nine years later. Uh, that's kind of where me and you started talking a little bit um, through texts and, 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 and uh, instant messages and what whatnot, with the arrival of uh, the workout too. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. the the commercial success and them being well received. Uh, that's dope. Um, I, I saw your uh, Instagram pictures and, and whatnot. You know, documenting that and, and re- reminding folks of that. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of got you into? What clicked for you to uh, to head down this path with, to create Fit Hop?
1: Yeah, man. Just it's it's like how my two two twin passions in life just this the sweet spot. You know what I mean? I've been doing hip hop since 5th grade, you know, triple decades practicing rapping. <laughs> you know, it's the only job I really ever had except for a bookstore I worked at for a little while, right? Um, so this is just what I've been doing my whole life is studying hip hop and practicing being an MC and a producer. Um, but then the lifestyle of hip hop that had kind of got me <clears throat> Uh, woke me up. It also helped me um, dumb my own self down, and I started making choices somewhat influenced by the music, but of course influenced by life and real circumstances. And you know, next thing I know, I'm I'm drinking 40s, and I'm I'm throwing you know E j J brandy back, and I'm throwing blunts every day, and you know what I mean I'm, I'm I'm processing stress of living through through these kind of lifestyle right and i woke up and by the time we moved to brooklyn i ended up waking up one morning bro with a swole ass ankle after doing you know the regular hip-hop lifestyle shit get high get wet and but that swole ankle ended up i got diagnosed uh with uh king's disease as Nas would call it but uh <laughs> Where they, I got diagnosed with gout. And, um, that was a fork in the road for me of like, am I going to keep doing the same thing or am I going to break that cycle and try something new? And my wife was, you know, vegetarian and kind of health conscious. So she helped me make a transition into plant based. And, you know, that's after I healed up natural. The swelling went down. They had no more pain because that shit got hurt. Um, I ain't had no more pain just from changing my diet and drinking water and shit. And so I was like, whoa. Like, you know, I see that, you know, life don't have to be a certain kind of way <laughs> based off our choices, man. And um, so, you know, that, then I went, that's how Wuxi Kwan started all the martial arts that were running all that good stuff over the years, and uh, at a certain point, I did, I had outgrown that young wild dude carrying a stick everywhere. You know what I mean? And, and I, I had you know became a father, and I just had grown in my practice and my meditation, and just every my perspective had was just three sixty degrees. And so I wanted to keep doing music. But I'm I'm not the type of person that's just gonna do what I used to do just because you used to me doing it, and um you know I wanted to find my voice in, as a as a an adult and as somebody with um you know a, a set of experiences that I thought hadn't been expressed in hip hop, you know in terms of the health and the wellness, and fitness and that. So um out of that, meditating on that. Letting it come, making music, and just not just writing a verse right away, just letting it breathe. That's where Fit Hop came, and I think the first song I did was about running, and I was like, "Oh, I can do this!" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can pour how much I love running all that on the beat, what? And it, it just became a thing, and, and that I wanted to finish and share. And I didn't—I didn't know if people would respond to it or think it's corny or whatever people might think. Um, but I know for me, it, it, it re-energized me wanting to make music because it gave me a new challenge and new topics and stuff like that. So that's how Fit hop, you know, kind of came into being, and it's still growing, you know. Uh, we, we got uh, one artist uh, that we work with besides myself in the fit hop space named Coach Nim uh, he's from the Bronx he's a jujitsu student he's a personal trainer living live in South Beach now and um, he's a dope producer MC and so our executive produced his first fit hop album it's called Healthy Gangster and um you know, so we just slowly building a movement, very much inspired by boxing in terms of how we approach the, the production and the and the practice in the craft. Just like if you go to a gym, you know, you might have you might have a nice little right hook or whatever, walking in off the street. But, you know, when you come to the gym you're gonna learn discipline, you're gonna learn consistency, you're gonna learn um, how to how to expand and grow what you can do naturally into something you could do professionally, right? And so we take that same approach with fit hop, and we call we even call fit hop the sweet science. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's a lot of synergy with boxing. Oh,
0: so how did um? So you get you know you get the concept, you get the first song out there, and 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 decide to build that into an, a full-fledged album um, how did you go about settling into your the, kind of the sound to support that because um, mm-hmm. honestly I went to I used to rap back in high school and um, mm-hmm. about a month or so ago I almost talked <laughs> because of some new equipment that I acquired I, I almost talked myself into trying to make a song just one song just for myself and just to mm-hmm. use use those muscles again, because I, I still yeah. I still jot and freestyle from time to time. Um, but yeah. when but when I went to listen to it, and I'm gonna get this quote that you said that it it was I ran dead into this quote uh, when I was listening to some of the music that like inspired me the most. I knew the shit that I was with that I would write and try to talk to that was not built for that. That stuff with it it was clear. Uh, it was the struggle in, in, in the streets and hustling and dope and, and, and guns and all that type of stuff. And uh, I got I, I walked away from the idea because I, I couldn't find a beat with the, the types of beats that would, would like accommodate what I wanted to do. But the quote that I found from you was in this uh it was in this vibe article from 2017, I believe. And you said uh, something about the vibration of music, the BPMs. Uh, You said it creates chemical responses. And you said people, uh, you know, you're not mindful of what you're listening to because it affects our affects our thinking learned long term. And um, Mm -hmm. that's just what I see, right? And I and I I love Griselda. I I review a lot of their music on my channel. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. other, it's it's another a platoon worth of rappers that I came across and listening to them. And, really? uh, sometimes I just have to step away from that subject matter because it's, I just, like you said, I, I got a wife for 17 years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the corporate world and whatnot, and, and I can only do so much of that. So how did you go about crafting a sound that would, would, um, you know, allow you to do what you needed to do with, uh, you know, with this new concept and then for it to be appealing to people.
1: Right on. Well, I'm gonna just say it like this, and I say this with no ego. I'm a leader, man. You know, I'm I'm not the leader. I'm a leader, right? And um, and meaning I'm just not. Move, I'm, I do. I have to do what's on my heart to do, right? I don't know if it's gonna be cool to the next man. I don't know if it's gonna make them, you know, respond any kind of way. But I, that's just how I am. I, I feel like that's G-code number one. Whether you were in the street life or you're not, being authentic and being sincere with yourself is how you get respect, right? Um, everybody might not like you, but they can respect it. So, just, so how I approach music is very confident and very, uh, very much like I'm not trying to follow nobody or fit in with whatever is supposed to you know, whoopy woo. I'm gonna find my own way. And um so my influences for the sound that I wanted to talk about is, is way bigger than hip hop. You no know, pun intended. <laughs> um you know, it's you know you know, it's just being a producer, you know, it's all about listening to music, right? So all kind of genres, all kind of tempos, all kind of time periods. And to just, to, to inform yourself of what's possible and what ain't been done. And so I'm a, I got, I'm just as much of a fan of rock music as I am of instrumental jazz music and hip hop music and dirty south hip hop and west coast and New York, you know, like all over. So I, I listen to those genres and I, and I say, you know, uh film soundtracks is is like a, a genre that really stood out to me because they they have a job when you score a film um you have to create the emotion for the scene right right, right. you have to you have to know how to you know why did in rocky right why did the uh, 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 why did that work right, right. um you know, and then I start. I was like, okay, that was this band called Survivor. Let me study Survivor whole thing. How did they even come to the soundtrack for that? <laughs> and it, and then I learned, oh, Bill Conti did the score. They was on. That's the soundtrack, but there's the score, right? That's the music behind the film, kind of. You know, and so and I was like, well, who is Bill Conti? I found out Bill Conti. Not only did he do Rocky score, he did all the Karate Kid. Uh, right. Okay, okay. So, right. So, I'm, I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Uh, these are some of my influences when it comes to creating a soundtrack, a score. And so, I approach fit hop like I'm scoring what I want to talk about. Um, so, I'm not like saying, "Well, what's on the radio? Let me make it sound like that." And then I'm going to, put rap some healthy shit on it. Like that's, that's not the formula. The formula for me is um how do you know what instruments, what tempos, <clears throat> what uh melodic scales and you know, music theory kind of things mm-hmm. will bring me bring me to a state of inspiration or bring me to a state of you could do it, fuck it, let's go. You know, like how do I create that in sound? And that's what dictates how it ends up sounding for me um, to, you know, to express the idea. So, uh, and that's influenced with, like I said, rock is a heavy influence. Film score is a heavy influence. I sample a lot of motivational speakers and things of that nature. Because I'll be, while I got your attention, I want to give you something. You know what I mean? That's going, you know, appreciate over time. Instead of you listening to my shit in the future and you be like what kind of dumb shit was I listening to back then you know I want you to be like I'm still getting
0: value out of this shit the more I hear it so you know in a nutshell yeah and I'll be honest man I from probably in about 2011 to maybe 2016 maybe even a couple of years before 2011 uh, one of the reasons why I wasn't aware of this album until linking up with you on Instagram a couple years ago or a year and a half ago or uh, whatever um, I had just kind of given up on uh, hip hop based on what was being put out and everything that was yep. uh, on the radio and uh, this one like when you when I started seeing the, the record cover or the, the cover artwork uh, and then I went back and was like damn I missed this And uh, but when I but I want to say to anybody listening to the podcast um, to sit back and hear you rhyming spitting about what you're spitting about, uh, and, and just the song structure, the concepts. Like you said, it's all built around all this motivational and inspirational stuff, quotes and, and song names. You know, Joe Lewis, Bruce Lee, Runners High, Champion, um, Put In Work, Motivated. These are all uh, workout too. Stay Ready, Triumphant. I'm sitting here like, man, his pen... Is is you know it's top, I mean it's top notch and then the production like you just said now it's all making sense. I wanted to say it was like world music in a way in terms of genre, but not on no corny way. But like you said, it just brought all these different sounds together, and I was like, I had to tip my cap to you, man, for sitting down because uh, it's not easy to to still kind of like have that hardness to it that we uh, that we rock with. But um, yep. but it's but it's still there, and another thing that you mentioned in that that uh, the vibe article was that at this point in time you stopped using the word Nigga and yep. um and, and cut out the profanity. So yep. I saw some comments earlier on iTunes from different uh, listeners and was like, I can listen to this in the gym. I don't have to censor it, you know, and it can be played yep. everywhere. So yep. I just salute yep. you for that, man.
1: Thank you, man. We that we did that on purpose too. My my OG Baba Jim, who who's a super militant, he was a um African uh African school for boys teachers, uh, who rest in peace, big part of our community. He always would say, I love their prayers, you know, but if y'all could just take the profanity out, <laughs> stop calling each other niggas so much, you know what <laughs> I mean? And when he passed, I, I I said, you know what? I'm gonna honor him in that way, um, not just to honor him, but he definitely was somebody I respected highly, and I and, and I knew he was saying, look, the, the messages and the things y'all trying to say could go further if they, you ain't give them an excuse, right? And as I thought about where I want Fit Hop to go. Um, I want it to be I want children to come up saying you know I'm a champion, I'm a champion <laughs> you know what I mean right. I want I want that to be something that families could say oh yeah, you can listen to that but at the same time to your point uh there's, what, what you said you know it's got the hardness to it it's still it ain't like corny and soft like that's just as important and uh, my brother-in-law he described it perfect. One day, and I said, "Man, thank you for that reflection." He said, "Your music is three things: it's hard, it's smart, and it's healthy." Mm. And he and he was like, "You don't you don't really get that combination. You can get some hard shit that's stupid as hell, <laughs> and you can get some. he he's, it's him. You know, you can get some. Um, you know, I, I guess intellectual type of rap that." feel soft in the ass, though. It's too right? preachy.
0: It's too preachy.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, or you can get something that is trying to be conceptual, but it's not resonating. And like everybody can relate to being healthier, you know, to attitude of gratitude. You know what I mean? Or learning a new skill, testing your limits. These is universal kind of things that just improve our well-being. So for me, that's kind of like what My promise is as an artist, as a fit-hop artist, is it ain't going to be corny, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, but it's going to be smart in a sense. Not like, you know, poindexter, but more, (laughs) but smart, like we not trying to um, be suckers out here. We trying to make wise moves. And and, you know, and of course it's going to be healthy because that, you know, it's centered in uh, our wellness. That's the that's the conversation that I feel like I was put here to have. So you know if that's if people are into music that's hard, smart and healthy, then fit hop we we own we on that. We on that wave.
0: <laughs> I, I'm glad that you did that though, because um I've said that myself that I I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. And it's a lot of brothers who want to be progressive or forward thinking or pushing the culture or whatever, however you want to put it. And then right. there's, it's it's three to five brothers all sitting up, calling each other the N word repeatedly. <laughs> and I'm like, man, do y'all not do y'all not see how like counterproductive this is to your message? So um, yeah. I'm glad that you picked up on that and that you, you heeded, you know, the message that you're um, that, that the uh the, the gentleman who passed away gave you uh I, I also throw it out there hopefully in another two to three weeks i should be able to a lot the book um sky zoo who is another artist who doesn't use the n-word in his music and I, i've talked to him a couple I've, I've talked to him another two or two or three times and um we, mm-hmm. that's just always one thing that i just salute him for because i just I, I just get some sometimes we just it, it's 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 excessively used in, in, in a lot of instances. Yeah.
1: And, the, and here's the thing too. I want I want this to be clear to anybody that might be new to fit hop or it might be you know just thinking about checking it out because we having this conversation. Another thing is that I noticed in quote unquote conscious circles of music makers, right? There was a period where all the conscious music was talking about how much it don't like the negative music. Right, 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 like right. I, right. You, and I, and I and I understand, you know, we're trying to basically we're trying to figure out song concepts and topics, right? And and it's like it's, it happens in waves. We get influenced. Whatever's the most popular thing you know people start making these versions of it and then at that point where we realize like if we keep feeding just negative 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 shit we ain't gonna have no culture so people start saying yeah so now I'm gonna write all my songs the whole album gonna be I don't like that negative music <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. and it's like I don't wanna hear that either so with hop, what I definitely don't do and what we don't do in our dojo of creativity is we don't write songs about what we don't like. We don't write songs about what somebody else doing negative. You know, it it, it don't. We never take that perspective. It's all all about what is inspiring you. What is uh, making you motivated? What is what is it that makes you uh, have gratitude? What makes you feel like I'm becoming a better person? You, right? It's about you putting in the work. And I, that's a conscious decision as a, a songwriter. I'm I'm so serious about that. Like Barry Gordy was serious with Motown. He had a vision, and I have a vision for for this. In that, you can get that el- elsewhere, right? You. It's always somebody saying something negative about some somebody else, whether it's positive or negative. Whatever they're talking about, we we always critiquing and criticizing other people. And I wanted something that affirms ourselves, affirms each other. So, you know, that's another thing that's consistent throughout the, the workout albums, the Healthy Gangster, and the new stuff we're doing. Is, is, it's just positive affirmation. You know what I mean? We ain't hating on nobody. We're going to demonstrate. Fred Hampton said the purpose of demonstration is education. So, we're going to just demonstrate
0: yeah. And I picked up on that. And, and like I said, in listening to it, because I'm going be, to keep it a buck. You know, when I when I put it on, I'm Please. like, if I get to this and it's some old preachy shit, you know, chances are I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just skim through it. And, you know, and I'm and I'm, a, uh, I'm I think we emailed each other because you was like, let me check out some of your content. And uh, I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to skim through this shit and just tell uh, Stickman that I uh, that I listened to it. But then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I sat there yeah. and listened to the entire album a couple of times, took it to the gym a few times. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's not on there getting too preachy. And it's not, you don't even acknowledge like any of the, uh, any of the, you know, anything that you would be in the marketplace with. It's like you just focused on this concept that you've created and just giving it so much light that it's no need to say don't go listening to uh the other stuff. So I, I thought that was dope. I want to play this <clears throat> this uh this this cut from um Larry Wilmore. Um he just had the, the two brothers, the twins, uh I think it's Kenny and Keith Lucas who did the writing for um they wrote uh Judas and the and the Black Messiah. Uh okay, Shaka, Shaka okay. King and Will Burson did the uh, they did the screenplay. But these twins, who are actually they're comedians, but they've they switched over for this, you know, to get this movie together that we talked about earlier. But uh, this is actually um, Larry Wilmore has a uh, podcast called Black on the Air, and you just hit on something that uh, he says in this statement right here. I just wanted to play it real quick. Okay, uh, uh, let me close this and make sure. So a lot of it has to do with. When uh, people feel like they've been oppressed and that type of thing. Within the group, they look for consensus more than truth. If truth gets in the same Venn diagram as consensus, that's great. But many times, consensus becomes more important. And I've always, what I've liked about you, and I've done in my own work, is I want to keep it 100% real first. And then worry about consensus later, you know. yeah. Now that's him talking to Stephen A. Smith that came out two weeks ago. But what you said a minute ago was like I'm doing my own thing and being a leader. And I and I think uh that kind of reiterated echo what Wilmore just said right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. And we and everybody ain't built to lead. You know? Ex- and so exactly. We... <laughs> and a lot of people don't a, a lot
0: of people don't know that that are trying to lead.
1: Right. Yeah, and uh, you know, and that's why the job of those who are willing to, you know, be in service because that's what leadership is. It, people, people think it's about you know things being all about you, and it's not. You know, leadership is is selflessness, really. You know, and it's <clears throat> serving others through your own initiative. Um, and you know, it's a thankless job, man. You know what I mean? People. <laughs> People don't. They don't. We drive. We drive on the highways all day, and we don't think about the people that laid that down at all. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We we sit under the the shade of trees that we ain't plant. You Definitely. know what I'm saying? So it's like you know, leadership is not. You don't get your thanks from people. You know, you get your thanks from the service itself. So yeah,
0: um, and I think um. For anybody that was questioning Kalua as Fred Hampton man when he said that line in there when they went and met the crowns and he was talking to the Steve brother Steve cattle the Steve the leader of the crown and he said mm-hmm. something and um he said something about you're gonna get yourself killed Or you gonna die for the people or something and um, Kalua said uh if I could only be so lucky but it was just the timing that he said it <laughs> from from Stephen yeah and the way the conviction and how he said it and I was like man I don't know like I I was I thought he nailed the role and uh and there was some other things in there that he said that was like man if Fred Hampton was really like this then he was really you know he was really really with the shits and what he was he he was into
1: um and for for Daniel for the role he played was phenomenal but if you felt something from him I encourage young folks to go listen to Fred's actual tapes of him actually speaking, right? And Daniel Kaluuya will tell you himself he can only do you know it's so much justice. But when you when you feel the real person Fred talking, and you and more than just the soundbite clips they had in that movie, and you really see how his thinking process was when he was on all these different national TV shows in the 60s bro when people were scared to even breathe on the same sidewalk as some of these folks and and how he was rolling and moving in Chicago man that's a triple OG at 20
0: at 21 years old
1: (laughs) at 21 man you know what I mean so Daniel he I mean he did a phenomenal job in my humble opinion um and I hope that it, it, he it, I think his his uh his aim was to embody him in a way that people would want to get to know the real Fred you know what i'm saying definitely you i'm
0: know? i'm i'm looking forward yeah. to circling back and uh doing some more uh learning some uh some some additional information but look man i know you got other things to do man so i really want to focus on um you know what's going on what's about to come out february 28th uh with this um okay said it was a muhammad ali inspired running short film i think was how you threw it out there yep. okay,
1: okay that's a, that's that's yep that's a way to to look at it because there's this photograph i have uh of ali that's just been an inspiration i mean he, how many thousands of photographs are inspiring from ali right right um but this one particular photograph, um, I, um, I based the, the, the look of the film, the aesthetic, uh, what I wore was the same thing he had on in the, in, in this uh, photograph. And I wanted to uh, embody some of the inspiration you know, of him, of how he, he was able to face uh, what was on his path in life with with this kind of like unstoppableness right so um so that set up the premise of what I wanted the film to look like but um down to the combat boots and and why Ali ran in combat boots instead of you know running sneakers or whatever um but uh the premise of the film also was inspired by uh Arbery's murder um him being a black runner in Georgia like myself Um, so there's elements of inspiration uh, of what that can feel like you know when you're just trying to be out here running and you know it becomes a run for your life right Um, uh, so there's a lot of different elements in you know creatively um, but Lululemon you know they they had asked me to uh, do a, a, a performance uh, with with some some internal stuff uh, within Lululemon because I, I partner with them on different projects um, as a running coach and other other stuff. But as a hip hop artist, they wanted me to perform at this event, and I didn't want to do a virtual performance. Okay, so I, I I wasn't really I ain't I ain't really ready to make that pivot yet, right? So I, and I told them, and I passed on the offer, and they was like, "Well, what you know, what, what would you be comfortable doing?" And I was like, "Let me let me put some thoughts together," and you know, I had that Ali picture, and I had how I was feeling at the time. Uh, you know, twenty twenty was tough in a lot of ways, and and I, you know, I came up with a treatment, and they they loved it. They was like bet, and so we partnered on it. And got it done, and so we're gonna announce a beautiful run to the world, February twenty eighth. Uh, short hip fit hop film, and uh, you know, just adding on to the creativity, trying to speak to inspire my community and the larger communities with this fit hop shit we own.
0: How long is the short film?
1: Um, well, I ain't supposed to give away. Too oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, because you know it's a part of just experiencing it you know what I mean of, of not knowing certain things gotcha, uh, gotcha. the way even the, even the way that it the experience of it like you know how people just they, they film something and then they put it on YouTube and they be like go watch it and, and you know you go in the, in the YouTube YouTube vibration and watch something and that's fine right right but we wanted to create our own aesthetic like almost like our own theater our own virtual way you even come sit down virtually and watch this thing right and then how how that the theater of it plays into the experience of it right i feel like we can elevate uh video we can elevate our experiences by just being a little more creative because it's like a million, everybody every day is like, watch this, watch my, watch my this, (laughs) watch my that, you know, and it it becomes like over too saturated because it's so easy to just press a button and I got some content, you know, and so I'm old school and like I like to, um, you know, have a, a, a rollout experience. I like to, engage as much of the senses as i can you know and i and i like to put you in that that meditation of this idea right so that you can experience it and be fully immersed in what is going on and so we we literally built our own visual theater for the for the presentation so it's you know it's a special uh presentation and um you know, it's it's an it's an experiment to see how people you know resonate with it or not. You know, but um, I, this is type of stuff that makes me excited when I when I'm doing something new, and I'm not just repeating something I did before or something that other people have done, and I'm just trying to copy. I like when we are able to stumble upon new exciting ways to do stuff. So, gotcha.
0: yeah. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, the image of it yesterday and I, I looked at the boots and I, didn't, I couldn't, I guess I could have opened or expanded the screen with my fingers and whatnot. Uh, but I didn't even put that together that you were actually intentionally running in boots. I know you had a line in one of your songs about running in some ASICs and whatnot. But, um,
1: mm-hmm. yep.
0: so what's your, you know, what's your connection with running? Um, and I, I meant to ask this earlier, like how did you start or, uh, you know, balance out what your weight training was going to be. Because we don't see too many, mm-hmm. you know, diesel runners. So how did you go about uh, settling into being more of a runner, you know, versus, and I guess, you know, what you focus on in the gym with whether it's resistance training, weight training, weightlifting. How do you balance all of that?
1: Yeah, the, the idea is, you know, get a little bit of all of it. You know what I mean? Like, from, you know, that's Jeet Kundo. That's something I learned And you know, the martial art perspective of, you know, we studied a little bit of arnis, a little bit of Kali, a little bit of boxing, Savat. You know what I mean? Multi-different disciplines. I, I've done a little bit of Muay Thai, Tai Chi, right? Just uh, being open to learn from different perspectives and then take from that. And, and make it your own which is the, that's what hip hop is right exactly <laughs> sampling right so uh, but interestingly enough uh, so I'm always seasonally trying to have seasons of focusing on running and then you know like when it's warmer outside etc when it get a little more cold I'm more inside I'm doing more internal stuff the weights stuff like that and just keep it flowing but interesting how I got Connected to running as a passion was once again from boxing. Okay, cool. you know what I mean I'm at I'm at the gym with my son, um, him and uh, some of my neighborhood sons I call them, um, and you know I would take them to the to the boxing gym and we get a workout. They train with the trainers and I train when they train and assist them and whatnot. And there was a boxer there who had like a eight pack like crazy just you know cut up and his name was Bones I was like yo Bones man what what, what in the world are you doing you know what I mean to get get that egg crate on your your chest like that and um, he was like basically running right and he was like how much you run and I I wasn't no runner or nothing you know what I mean I was like I spar I do little stuff like that for cardio jump rope but running was, just wasn't in my repertoire. And so he gave me this challenge. He was like, We'll start out, try to get you like 15 minutes nonstop and then 30. And you get it to where you could go like an hour, is what he said, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, Yeah, running nonstop for a whole hour? <laughs> like, are you serious? And, you know, it, I love a challenge, bro. So I literally, I think the first day I, after that, that I I said all right I'm gonna start you know I might have tried to go five minutes or something and I was like man ain't no way in the world you know and, <laughs> another fifty uh, five yeah and you know because you be counting the seconds when you when you moving right right you ain't used to it right but um but it was something about being outdoors and having this challenge and really feeling terrible at it. And, but having this moment with my headphones on and certain music I would cue up, be like, this shit might give me some energy or whatever. I was trying to figure that out. And just showing up every other day, you know, okay, I did five. N- n- you know, next other, every other day, I'm going to try to do five again. And then it was like, okay, I can do five. All right, let me try to do 10 or seven or whatever. And I just, that, that little small steps. I saw that it was manageable if I'm consistent and and I was like oh so I can have this I can get this skill just by showing up and doing a little bit more and bro I went from five minutes to running 26 miles on my two feet without stopping right over time and it just I I just bit the bug like you know what I mean I was when I got to 5K, I was like, oh man, 5K. I done did it. And then I was like, well, shoot, I want to get 10K. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, have you heard of a half marathon? Uh, oh, 13 mile, What? Boom, <laughs> oh, train for that. And I'm on tour running in these different cities, you know, trying to get my mileage in. And just because if you let too much time go, you know, you lose your condition. Right. So you got to be really consistent. And then, you know, it just became a, not like a workout for me. It became, I get to run, right? Not like, I got to run. Right. It became, ooh, I get to run. And what are my playlist gonna be? Ooh, I'm gonna explore this album. Because when do you make time in your life to just, you know, turn off everything right. and pour some love into you and listen to John Coltrane's catalog or whoever, or book or a podcast, that became that time for me, like, me time. And, uh, yeah, that's how it, that's how it grew. And then I, and I loved it so much, and my friends, they would be like, yo, B, you a changed man. Like, how? people would see me, they'd be like, yo, your body, you know, or you just seem happier, or you just seem whatever. And they start wanting to run. So I start training a lot of the homies, dropping pounds. We, we getting up in groups, doing it. We meditating after we run. We we go into the mountains. We we have an adventure, and then I was like, I'm, "I need to get go ahead and become a coach so I can help people much more." Let me get more skills, and that's when I got certified by the RCA, went through their program, and became you know certified as a long distance um, running coach. And yeah, and I've just been from there. I do different workshops, uh, surrounded, uh, focused on. Not like the competitive trying to win the marathon uh-huh. uh, person, but more the you can use this for therapy for yourself, for me time, for self love, for general health maintenance, fitness maintenance. That's kind of my niche. And yeah, we keep exploring it. Gotcha.
0: Now, um, do you think that, I mean, well, I mean, you obviously attracted others where you are but do you think um that the black community can pick up running in large numbers i was reading this article earlier on the new york times that's from like uh 2020 but it said that uh, a survey by running usa some organization called running usa they found under 10 percent of frequent runners identify as african-american and um i know a couple times that i've asked my wife to run Bro, that's that 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 conversation is the shortest conversation we <laughs> we have in our marriage, yeah. and I, I yeah. you know, and yeah. but but I'll say this before you get to to responding. A few years ago, man, I did a uh, I did a from uh, from couch to five uh, couch to five k. I think it was called, and it was interval mm-hmm. it was interval running, and mm-hmm. um, I had a track mm-hmm. right down the street from my house, and you know I bought a stopwatch and my wife was just envious of how much weight i dropped in the 30 days that i did that program and like mm-hmm. you said it, it had consistency uh the intervals you know and how the intervals changed up and like you said i was going down there every week like oh i get to run today oh today i instead of uh you know instead of only running for 4 minutes I got eight today. I'ma kill this eight, and I mean it became yeah. competitive, and um, yep. so on and so forth. But do you think yep. uh, it's possible for blacks to pick up jogging and, and running, in, um you know, in bigger
1: numbers? Let me tell you something, bro. This I love this question. Right, I was born to answer this question right here. <laughs> First of all, we already dominate long distance running pretty much if you look if you look at and short distance running have you know also but if you look at the gold medals in the Olympics right this is the world stage for the best pound for pound undisputed right the world you, you're you not competing against your neighborhood you're competing against the whole world and who has the most gold medals in long distance running Ethiopia Kenya Right, yeah, Uganda. Right, this black folks. Right, if you look at who got the, the fastest sprint, you know, you know, you saying boat straight from yard, you know what I mean, right? We, we, like, you know, um, and the, even the, the top folks in the U.S. teams, right, is, is brothers and sisters, right? We can go from Wilma Rudolph, you know, Dick Gregory, um, you know. Uh, 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 plethora of black folks have participated in running at the highest levels of running but also so so one it's a it's an illusion that this is not our culture off, off, off the top because <laughs> it is <laughs> um but two it's um it's not about can black folks or any other folks get into running right it's about runners Right, it's mm-hmm. it's it, 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 you know it's just about being a runner and 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 wanting a challenge and wanting a simple uh, exercise that you anybody with two feet and some decent knees can do. Um, you don't need no gym membership to run. You don't need all of the stuff that the excuses like I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the this or that. You know, it's like to run. All you need is a pair of sneakers. And, and if depending on where you live, you can run it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's really the, mo- the most accessible. And it's, it's one of the most ancient um, ways of exercise. In fact, even in ancient Egypt, 3,000 and plus years ago, running was so much a part of uh, our culture that the pharaoh had to run eight laps around the temple ground ever so often to prove his fitness to to continue ruling, right? So just culturally speaking, um, economically speaking, um, and then what it does for stress management and just, you know, uh, managing, uh, challenges in a positive way, channeling stress and something positive you know, it's just a great tool to have in your toolbox, you know, just like lifting weights or any other form of exercise. But, you know, there's injuries, you know, a lot of people get injured trying to press too much weight uh, or don't, you know, not doing it properly. And a lot of people complain about running and say, you know, it's bad for knees, but it's really just, you know, that's where the running coaches come in to help you uh, not hurt yourself. And get the right, the proper shoes, the proper form, um, and the proper what I what I add is the proper herbs in um, natural ways to strengthen uh, your performance and, and minimize your injuries. Like we, I use Native American herbs and stuff. So that witch hazel that's sitting in grandma's closet, you put <laughs> that on your legs. <laughs> you put that. That's that's a Native American uh, uh, runner's uh, toolbox. Because you put witch hazel on your legs before you run, and you're gonna um, you're gonna uh, open your pores and then also uh, restrict them, and it's gonna help your circulation as you're running. Is uh, if you take a uh, devil's claw, which is, sounds crazy, but it's just a, a tincture of herb, um, it's gonna help you with joint pain and the shin splints. If, you know what I mean so it's, it's about practicing your culture while you are running um, and then it becomes a, a spiritual movement gotcha. you know?
0: like I said I, I, I was down with it I couldn't never stay too consistent with it and I, and I do have one uh, one bad knee but um, mm-hmm. I'll just add that I only got one more question I'm let you get out of here but um, this was the first year that I started riding my bike And I got into cycling heavy, kind of the same way that you're talking about, um, about running and and, and jogging and, um, Mm -hmm. the cat at the bike shop, when I asked him about, I don't know how we got onto it, but one thing that was a kick, a kicker for me committing to uh, cycling, uh, I didn't ask for a black uh, organization, but the cat at the uh, bike store was like, well, check online for something called the major Taylor uh cycling clubs. He was like, There's a lot of mm-hmm. chapters across the country, uh, that are pretty much mm-hmm. African Americans, and um, you know, if that's what you're looking for, you can you can check that out. And uh, well, sure enough, that Hennessy commercial <laughs> that I had been seeing for two or three years, like the major <laughs> Taylor cat, was was real, and um, yeah. and so I right. I didn't get into uh, the the, uh, the the local chapter because everything was shut down because of COVID. But mm-hmm. I'll just say this, and I want to get into this quote of yours and then let you close. But um, I started riding, and um, I live about twenty five miles from where my job is, and uh, we have a bike trail that actually connects them the the, the two towns or two cities together. And um, so I'm just out on this bike trail, man, and just like you said, getting. <clears throat> air into my lungs i'm seeing deer snakes uh you know uh moles and and gophers and all kind of stuff and then i'm seeing people i'm riding through different communities and then when i ride south of my town of my city i head into uh you know the city of dayton and downtown dayton and um but what you said was i say all that to say you said that if we grew up in communities that invest or embrace health, then more people will begin to talk about it. And um, that's what I, like I said, when I would ride south and see what's what's the makeup of the other people utilizing the, uh, you know, the trail, the bike path, when I rode south and into the city. And then when I get up north and I'm riding through these rural areas and riding alongside cornfields and whatnot, and I mm-hmm. just didn't see enough black people out there taking advantage of this free you know it's tax money that went to create that space and for people to get and use it to get in shape and um so i'm probably not gonna get into the runner's kick with you but i am gonna watch a beautiful run (laughs) uh anybody that's listening to this please go check out a beautiful run.com uh some great information on the website uh, some merchandise on here. I think I'm going to pick up this uh beautiful run shirt cuz I like the design on it. But um that's just yeah. I, that is what I just took I, I I took advantage of that ye- of, of that this year and I even bought me an expensive ass road bike at the end of the season and got mm-hmm. rid of and I'm going to get rid of going my upgrade from my um hybrid bike that I had last year. But like you said, that's one thing with cycling it's some costs, you know, to get involved with it with either buying a hybrid bike or a road bike is maintenance on that road bike and all of that stuff. And then another thing that was a deterrent when I wanted to get consistent with it, there's not a way for me to get onto the bike path from my house. So I got to get in my car and drive to that. And sometimes that got in the way of me getting out there. But in your point with jogging, you just walk out your front door and start jogging and and you into your workout. (laughs)
1: Man, and and listen, man. This this is my my thing. Is not about trying to make people run, right? Like right. not at all, right? You know what I mean? Like it's it's like it's. I love it. I enjoy it. But some people love yoga or cycling or or boxing or you know all kinds of ways you can move. And you know, as you'll see with the film, you know the the message is let nothing stop you, right? So whether you're running, whatever you're doing, like, keep going. That's the mantra. Keep going. Um, because you can you can ride a bike and you can run. Or you can walk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can dance for exercise. It don't matter. It's just what brings you life. What brings you joy. What helps, you know, keep you strong and energized for your, for your loved ones, right? And for the passion you want to bring to life. Um, wherever you find that, at, find your fitness. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the spirit. You know, running is just a metaphor of, of just moving forward in life.
2: Right, right.
0: Um, so, like I said, abeautifulrun.com. You can uh, go onto the website and get all the information that you need it's uh, so a way to get yep. some tickets on there uh, still kind of uh, no details for, <laughs> no details for you really but that's besides the point uh, check that out also check out Workout 1 Workout 2 uh, the two albums from, um, from Stickman as, rest as, the, the well, as well as the rest of his catalog um, also I wanted to say before you get out of here um, make sure I got you you uh, it's just at stick on Instagram, a very, um, a very just thoughtful account to follow. Like you said, I was reading early. Actually, I read the, uh, the caption that you had earlier for the fit for a King that you were just talking through with the Pharaoh and whatnot from today's post. So, uh, check uh-huh. him out on Instagram, check out the project, the short film when it comes out, a beautiful run. And then, um, you know hopefully you enjoyed this uh, discussion with Stigman. any last word for uh, you know listeners or, or fans of yours out there that might stumble across this
1: hey man for the family out there rbgfitclub.com is our hub for everything we're doing in this health and wellness space so I invite people if you want to check out you know more about what we're doing uh, you know the musical course the fit hop but my wife is a holistic nutritionist Uh, with detoxes and uh, cookbooks for plant-based food with soul in it, you know, all these different kinds of things. You know, that's our hub, rbgfitclub.com. And, uh, yeah, thank you, man, for your time and for, um, you know, sharing your platform. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. Like I said, man, I don't have a lot of people – Around me that are on what I'm on, but you know I check out cats like you. You know I could check out, um, and it's actually you know brothers I've been knowing for 20 years just from them being artists with a black thought. Uh, some of the stuff that mm-hmm. Royce, not, uh, Royce the Five Nine is getting into now, um, it is, yep. yeah, it, it is a a lot of. Um, I guess in so many words, you can just go out here and find the individuals that you want that you link up with that are talking about some of the things that you might be uh, on the cusp of starting to explore yourself. And, uh, you know, just don't let your circle, the limitations of those in your circle, keep you from growing in how you want to grow. So I just want to thank you for sharing all of the information that you share, whether it's on fitness, whether it's on nutrition, uh, just seeing you interact with your, with your wife. And, um, you know, you, you, you have one or two sons, Two. That's what I thought it was, too. I thought it was two. But the older one is now, you know, a, a budding musician and doing his thing and whatnot. So I think yep. that's also just crucial for this stage of hip hop that we see some of you guys that are fathers, you know, and, and husbands. And, and I just think that's just like the evolution of, yep. of uh, hip hop. Yeah, man. We got to do it, man.
1: It, you know, I feel like if I could share all my frustrations and anger as a, as a young young man trying to figure this shit out like everybody else as a as you know as a growing growing you know man um being humbled by by life and being blessed in all kinds of ways you know it's my duty to share that too you know what i mean and you know so you know this is part of paying it forward you know uh, everything that I, I did in my career is not something that I feel like I, that I was right 100% about every, you know, every word I've ever said and all that. So I try to continue to grow and, and I want young artists and, and people in general to see that you can evolve. You don't have to be, be stuck in one place. You got to continue to move forward to uh, your, your best potential. So, we're we still
0: working on it. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I wanted to close with one thing. I thought you was going to talk just a minute more. Um, it was a quote from uh, Ali. Since you said you were inspired by Ali one on more. this. But it was the, um... yeah, my time is bad. I know there's the don't count the days, make the days count. But there was another one. Mm-hmm. Um... Damn. A man who had you no... talking
1: about what? Like no, what um, you
0: were just saying on, uh, you know, if you live 50 years and you didn't evolve and, and mature and grow in any way from year 21 to year 50, you know, you would have wasted your life. And it's, it's way better yeah. than that. But that's the concept behind it. No, nah,
1: that's one of my favorite quotes from Ali. Yeah, he said, if you're 50, still doing the same thing you were doing at 20, you don't waste 30 years of your life. Ex- exactly. You know? <clears throat> yeah. And that's exactly, bro. Continue evolution if you look at Ali's evolution if you look at Malcolm from Detroit Red to Malcolm X to Malik El Shabazz that's evolution you know what I'm saying we we all we got a duty to grow you know what I mean because we have to you know if you plant a, a tree the tree's gonna take 20 years 10 years 15 years to, to start bearing fruit but it's not gonna bear the most fruit the first time it bears it right it's, it's a process so and it has to continue to grow and, and sustain itself until it gets to the point where it can feed, you know neighborhoods right and and you know that's really our job you know um, the men in our families the men in our communities is to um, you know be present to protect to provide you know what I mean, and to partner with our women. Um, so you know, it's all about growth. If we ain't growing, we done. Exactly. You heard? Exactly. All right, man. Well, let
0: me. Uh, my wife get on me. She said she listened to a couple podcasts and said, "How many times were you gonna tell the guests that you was gonna get them out of here?" You. <laughs> 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 but but no, seriously, man. I appreciate your time today. Um uh, yeah, you like, too, bro. I'm trying to do some different things with the podcast this year, and these are the type of discussions that I want to have. And uh, you know, get out there for people who wanna uh who wanna grow, honestly. So thank you All for right. your time, man.
1: Thank you, King. Let me know if you need anything as far as, you know, photographs and stuff like that when you get ready to push it. We'll do, we'll do. All right, King. Take care, man.
2: Peace.
0: So, look, that was Stickman. Check out his catalog, his music catalog. Check him out on Instagram at Stick, S-T-I-C. Excuse me. <clears throat> wow. Um, I should edit that out, but I'm going to keep it pushing. Um, Hopefully you learned something in there. Like I said, I got into my bike thing, my cycling thing this year. I'm hoping to pick that up as soon as, uh, not the way that it looks outside right now, but um, I'm definitely trying to get my miles per week and, and do some things, um, you know, fitness wise this year. Uh, I, 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 we talked about his jogging thing. You can look into that. Uh, right now I'm in the middle. I'm on day two of a uh, a cleanse, a toxic cleanse and uh, trying to do some things after that with my own diet. Been trying to be somewhat consistent with working out in the house. But like you said, man, he just has this holistic thing. Him and his, it's it's a family business, him and his wife with their RBG fitness club. So check that out. I'm actually gonna cop me a um, a RBG t-shirt that I saw. I'm a huge gray t-shirt fan and it's got some red, black, and green on it. So I'm gonna cop that. I think that might be at OKPlayer.com. I always associate that site with the roots or at least with uh, Quest Love. But check all that out. Go to www.abeautifulrun.com. Look into all the information. Hey, you saw I tried to pry, but, you know, I guess with his arrangement with Lululemon, uh, you know, it's intentionally they're not saying a whole lot about what, what it is. I'm imagining short film, you know, maybe it's seven and a half to 15 minutes long and it's something with, you know, how he goes about uh, doing his thing each day. So hopefully you learned something about the brother. Hopefully you heard something. If you like music, hip hop, production, you know, the concepts behind music and, and how artists and MCs get into their thing, him switching up his music for these last two projects uh his his uh roster coach nim i've checked out one or two songs from him Uh, just like like i said man that's the type of conversations that i want to have here on it's always personal when i can get a guest so i appreciate the brother's time three thousand percent um do me a favor wherever you hear this wherever you download this or come across this please take a second to rate the show five stars preferably Please don't just rate the episode. Actually, rate the entire podcast. I know that's asking way too damn much, and this is even asking even way, 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 way too much. But also, you could do something very kindly and very helpful in leaving a brief, positive, rate uh, review. Two sentences, three sentences. Act like you're texting. So act like you're texting me. If you like to holler at me for any reason make a so you know to make a suggestion to tell me i'm trash to uh you know to to, to, any way i can improve topics you like to discuss you'd like discussed in the future uh you know upcoming movies and whatnot anything uh holler at me pay me no mind show at gmail.com pay me no mind show at gmail.com and that's about it man let me quit wasting y'all folks time Big shout out to uh, Brother Stick. Wishing the best with uh, RBG and everything that they've got going on over there. I hope this this Muhammad Ali inspired project exceeds all expectations. I look forward to checking it out. And uh, until next time, man, my name is Wood. Stay safe. Be smart. Peace.